Hello, and welcome to Wildly Basic West. Here's the deal. Your 20s can feel lonely and confusing, and when you're a recovering alcoholic, they can feel even scarier. Join me, Elizabeth, to navigate my very own shit show rodeo as we talk all things sobriety, wellness, relationships, mental health, and so much more. Because at the end of the day, none of us should ever have to take this journey alone. I'm so glad you're here. You guys, how professional am I? I figured out, you know, how to upload some royalty-free music, give myself a little intro track. I'm I'm feeling myself tonight. I am my own producer, podcaster, editor, uploader, you name it. If this seems low quality, it's because you're dealing with my IQ of about 10. (laughs) My little brother is a computer whiz. It's what he majored in in college, and he does some sort of like IT tech consulting nowadays way above my pay grade. So I'm sure he'll give this a listen and have a ton of pointers for me. But you know, the good thing is when you start from the bottom, you can only go up from there. So today's episode is honestly not going to go the way that I had originally planned it out in my mind. I recently hit six months of sobriety. And so, you know, about a month ago, I was like, oh my God, I can't wait for those six months. Like that's such a huge milestone. And I'm going to put out this great podcast episode with all of the incredible lessons I've learned and all the ways that my life has gotten better. But as they say, we plan and God laughs. And that's exactly where I am right now. So yes, I have learned a million and one lessons and my life has improved in ways that I didn't even know that it could before. But if I'm being completely honest, I am in a huge huge place of grief right now. I am quite frankly grieving the life that I no longer have. And that sounds crazy because the life that I left behind was so full of turmoil and anxiety and depression and just self-medicating constantly and not being present in my life. But the truth is like even when you get sober and even when life gets significantly better, you still feel like you lost a huge part of yourself. I mean, there are so many things that I used to do that I don't do anymore. And it's not necessarily like everything I miss was healthy for me. Actually, most of it is not. But it's such a radical shift from the way that I was living before that I think like my brain and my heart and my body are just all trying to catch up to one another. I don't know if this resonates with anybody else, but one of the biggest learnings that I've had is that I'm not only an alcoholic, my brain is wired like an addict's brain. And one of the biggest addictions that I had that just happened to manifest in alcohol more than anything else was this addiction to chaos. So now, honestly, I'm sitting in this season of life that is incredibly peaceful. And I would say 90, I don't know, 98% of the time, that's amazing. But there's this other 2% that's just sort of tugging at the back of my brain that's like, I miss, you know, staying out until three in the morning and not remembering what happened the night before and and meeting all these crazy people and having these insane stories. And I think that's honestly my ego because a large part of me felt like that's what made me an interesting person. And now I'm actually having to become a person that's more than just the stories that I have to tell. So it's... It's just a very strange place to be, and I'm trying to hold two things in tension at once, the overwhelming joy of being sober, and then at the same time, this grief of leaving this life behind. I was talking to one of my friends who's been sober for about three years. She's also in recovery, and she said to me, you know, people often talk about the pink cloud, the first year of sobriety. And I've definitely experienced a lot of that. People, it's funny, every so often someone will comment on my TikTok and be like, this is amazing. I'm so glad you're so happy right now. But do 
you know, kind of buyer beware that there is the pink cloud the first year. And basically what that means is that you are looking at the world through rose colored glasses. You are experiencing all of these beautiful parts of sobriety, but you do need to prepare and really build up your toolbox and your foundation for when shit really hits the fan and sobriety gets hard. She shared with me that her first year of sobriety was probably the hardest year of her life simply because your brain is rewiring. Like you are relearning how to do life without constantly having a substance to numb you from everything around you. And so the highs feel really high right now, but that also means that the lows feel incredibly low. If I'm experiencing a negative emotion, I'm really having to sit with it and I don't have the same option to escape that I did previously. So even though I've been in therapy for about a decade now, I spent the vast majority of that decade lying to my therapist about my drinking. And so I wasn't necessarily internalizing all of the tools that she was giving me. So I'm kind of starting from scratch in that department. And another huge hallmark of an alcoholic and an addict in general probably does not help that I'm also a triple earth sign, but it's that you have a desire to control everything around you. I mean, and having to admit that I couldn't control my drinking was absolutely devastating. And now that's really bleeding out into my larger life. I'm having to come to terms with the fact that I truly have no control over anything and I'm living life on life's terms. And that's really fucking humbling and that's also really fucking hard. And truly more than anything, I wish I could sit here and tell you that I have this huge life hack for you that you know will help you move through your grief and the resentment that we sometimes have even towards ourselves for being sober and admitting that we, you know, we're powerless over alcohol. But at the end of the day, I think that so much of being in this space and like being on this journey of healing and and coming to terms with myself is realizing that I don't have all the answers. I think a lot of what's built into drinking is ego and believing that, as I mentioned before, like not only do you want to control everything, but you believe you can control everything. That is the craziness that I had in my mind about drinking. I was like, oh, you know, me blacking out multiple times a week isn't a big deal. I'm definitely controlling my drinking because I'm not only holding a job, I'm get, but I'm getting promotions. I'm, you know, in a loving relationship. I'm close with my friends. Like that is the insanity of addiction at the end of the day is you are willing to go to any lengths necessary to validate your addiction. And for me, of course, that was drinking. And I would give myself all of this, what I considered evidence as to why I was doing okay. So I don't know. That feels like a big dump for me to just put on all of you. And I don't want to sit here and be like, I'm so negative and I regret getting sober because I don't. I don't regret getting sober for a single second. But I also think it's like it's super important to acknowledge that it is a fundamental shift. And when you make a big life change, like for example, if you were moving to a new city, say you were going to move to New York City from your small hometown and moving to New York City had been your dream since you were a little kid and you were so excited and you get there and you're like, this is amazing. But there's a small part of me that like, is something is tugging on the heartstrings and I miss home and I miss my life before. Like those two things can coexist. That doesn't mean it was the wrong choice, 
Because often the right choice is the scary choice. It's the choice that's outside your comfort zone and outside of what you know, but that is how we grow. Okay, now I feel like I'm some sort of pseudo inspirational speaker that's gonna charge you $500 for a three hour session. I promise that's not where I'm going. I'm not going into this whole like toxic positivity state, but I do just really wanna continue to hold space for those of us that may feel like getting sober is really sad sometimes, and I know that it can feel lonely. And that's a large part of why I do what I do, why I have a platform where I, where I talk so openly about my alcoholism and getting sober, because that's really the barrier that kept me from sobriety for so long is just this fear that it was just me, that no one else felt this way, that no one else struggled with the same things. And I just want a place where we can all sort of just take a deep breath and take that weight off of our shoulders and know that this is not a unique experience. Like love y'all to death, but also none of us are special. We are all going through so many of the same things. And that's really, really, really beautiful at the end of the day. And for me, I feel like the grief shows up at really random times. So for example, we've been having some of our first warm spring weather here in Denver. I got sober at the end of September, so it was already kind of chilly. It was already fall. It was rainy here. Um, something about the sun shining, the parks being full of people makes me want to go to the store and buy, you know, a six pack of hard kombuchas or like some hard seltzers and sit and drink in the park. That is what I used to do. I want to, you know, pop a bottle of Prosecco and make an Aperol spritz. I want to drink a bottle of rosé. Like I want to do all these things because I so closely aligned like all my rituals, all my rituals for spring revolved around drinking. So I'm trying to remind myself that this is really just another example of having to break a habit and having to create new associations. So before, uh, whereas like rosé was always a sign that, you know, spring was around the corner and the warm weather was out, it was patio season, happy hour season. I now get to say, okay, my new ritual is going to be that I take my dog on an hour long walk after work. And then I get home, I get to make myself a fun little springtime mocktail. I'm stocking my fridge with like fun flavored water, some different juices, a bunch of like fresh herbs like mint to muddle in the bottom, some lemons, things that feel springy and festive to me. And I'm just going to have to create new traditions and new rituals for myself. And it's unrealistic to expect that in the span of six months, I'm a completely changed woman and I'm not still going to have those cravings because the fact is I know that whether it's six months or six years or 60 years, like I'm still a fucking alcoholic at the end of the day. So I'm always going to want alcohol in some capacity. Hopefully it won't wear on my mind <laughs> at a certain point as much as it does now, but you know what? It's it's not wrong. It's not bad. And it doesn't make me like an imperfect, sober person to crave alcohol still and think about it. And I really want to drive this point home because honestly, I need to hear it. The fact is secrets are what kept me sick. I say this all the time, but that's because that that is my story. I drank alone all the time because I was so ashamed and I never told anyone about it because I was just enshrouded in this guilt and hatred for myself and what I was doing every single day. So the truth is the second that I have a craving or a thought or a resentment towards my sobriety, I need to tell somebody. I need to journal about it. I need to meditate on it. Maybe if you know if you're a spiritual person, maybe you need to pray about it. Um, you know, you can come on a, a freaking podcast and talk about it. But you need to feel like you 
don't have to hold all this stuff in by yourself. None of us should ever feel like we have to carry the weight of the world on our shoulders. Like we have to carry all this hard shit by ourselves. There are so many people who want to be there for you, who want to support you, who want to help you, whether it's staying sober or just working through something else difficult you're going through in your life. Like the second that we think we're alone, I believe we we become a person that is truly alone because we're cutting ourselves off to, you know, the potential of speaking to other people and connecting with other people. We are literally shutting down connection when we sort of wallow in this idea of aloneness. And so to kind of circle back to what I was originally talking about in terms of grief, I think that I I'm learning to be better at sitting with hard emotions. Like I mentioned before, that's one of the hardest parts of sobriety is learning to sit with difficult emotions, but I do believe I'm getting better at it. I'm really trying to internalize sort of that meditation idea that you don't have to have feelings that thoughts are either good or bad. You can just begin to view them as thoughts. And so when I have grief, I'm no longer getting stuck in it in the way that I once was. I'm not beating myself up for being in a place of grief. Instead, I'm trying to notice it. Okay, this sounds kind of woo-woo, but my therapist says this to me all the time. Basically, she's saying like, stop making so many value judgments about your thoughts and feelings. Instead, look at them more as an observer and notice them and try to break down what are the patterns, what are the triggers. And in that way, you can ensure that you're not constantly getting stuck in the same sort of loops over and over and over again. So right now, just sitting in that place of noticing, I know that huge triggers for me is just like clearly the changing season. I didn't get sober in the summer or spring. And so these months are just bringing up a lot for me. Um, Hitting that six month mark, you know, it feels very significant. And knowing that, you know, I'm halfway to a year, it's felt very long and very short at the same time. Um, I think I also felt that six months kind of marked like a, a commitment to this. You know, I was never able to stay sober for more than like 10 or 11 days before. And now I've been sober for an entire six months, which is insane to say out loud. And I'm truly, truly so proud of myself. And I'm so grateful that, you know, I found a program and a community that works really well for me and has allowed me to stay sober and stay like so generally happy while I'm being sober too. But, you know, I, I'm like accepting that this is the rest of my life. And that's really over overwhelming to me too. I have a lot of trouble wrapping my head around just like finality of things in general. And so knowing that I have to do this every single day for the rest of my life feels kind of exhausting. So I'm trying to not get into this like headspace of constantly future tripping. And instead I'm trying to stay present and know like, all right, I'm just going to I talked about this in a previous episode, but I'm just going to take another 24, another 24 hours focused on staying sober for the next day. And then when the day after comes, I get to focus on that 24 hours. So it's just a bunch of sitting back, noticing and trying not to get into this headspace where I spiral out over like what might happen in the future. And I guess that's kind of all I have for today. I do want to say that I am definitely going to put out an episode that talks about all the changes that I've experienced over the past six months of being sober. And I really appreciate you guys giving me the space and the freedom to just show up as I am where I am right now. And it just felt like it would have been really disingenuous to do this episode that's all about like all the things that I love about sobriety and I'm so happy, blah, blah, blah. Like 
let's be real. I am super happy and life has gotten infinitely better. I want to keep reiterating that because I don't want it to seem like I'm like, "Mm, sobriety is way too hard. It's not. Life is so much better, but I also want to be really open with you all about the times that are not so easy because I also want to normalize things being hard and going through ups and downs. Again, we're living life on life's terms, so there are going to be beautiful moments and there are going to be hard moments and everything in between. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a five-star review. You can find me on TikTok and Instagram at Elizabeth, and the podcast is at Wildly Basic West. New episodes are released Tuesdays and Thursdays. I hope you have a beautiful rest of your day and we will chat soon.